listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I feel like the luckiest man in the pharmacy industry because I get to go to these absolute amazing events. We are at the National Association of Specialty Pharmacy. I am so excited to be here at the NASP booth with my trusted audio engineer, Brady Yuri. Brady, shout out to you for being here with us. We're excited to be a part of this. This is the forward thinking, the innovators of specialty pharmacy. Tune in. We're going to have some amazing interviews. Today um, is Tuesday at the event. We're going to also have a special episode on Wednesday. Stay tuned. Take a listen and please share. Shout out to you, specialty pharmacists. You are our heroes. Make sure you share and tag us at Pharmacy Podcast. Thank you. The NASP 2022 annual event here in Orlando, Florida. It's great to be back here talking specialty pharmacy. We're at the NASP's booth. I want to give a shout out to Sheila and your team for making this possible. We love being here in the heart of specialty pharmacy and the innovators of specialty pharmacy. One of those innovators who's very special to me, a personal friend of mine who taught me about specialty pharmacy at my beginnings of really understanding the differentiation from other sectors of pharmacy is Harry Travis. Harry, it's great to see you. It is great to see you, Todd, and it's great to be here in my hometown. I get to sleep in my own bed and attend the NASP conference. What so, could be what, better like than a that? a 15-minute drive to get here? And... It's about 30 minutes, but okay. still, it's yeah, nice. It is nice. It is great to see you and to see everyone. It is. And shout out to Sheila. Great show. It is. It is great to be back. You know, I like, I like shows that are very specific because we can really dig down into issues that are impacting patient care and especially rare disease states is something that's always fascinated me. But something else that's really got my attention, and you brought it to my attention again, um, and we can, we're going to have to talk about the uh, multiverse someday in specialty pharmacy, but that's not today. Today's discussion is around the country of Georgia, and I know that people have seen this on LinkedIn, but I want you to tell us, like, tell us about the country of Georgia and how you got involved in this amazing project. Yeah, that's right. I, I just finished a fascinating project with an integrated healthcare company called the Georgia Healthcare Group, located in the former Republic of Georgia, uh, which is now known as Georgia, the country of Georgia, which sits uh, over on, kind of in Eastern Europe, Asia. Uh, just south of Russia, north of Turkey, uh, bordered by Armenia and Azerbaijan, the Black Sea on one side and the Caspian Sea on the other side. The country of Georgia is about the size of South Carolina and has about five million people. And it was a Soviet state until the fall of the Iron Curtain. When was that, 90, 89, 90? And is now a liberal democracy leaning to Western values trying to build their healthcare system. And I have a friend who is on the board of directors of the company Georgia Healthcare Group. Okay. So when I read about what you were doing, it really interested me because there's facets of pharmacy throughout the world 
that some organizations, some countries, some even community pharmacies are doing things just slightly differently. So what are they going to be doing in healthcare, and more specifically, what are they looking to do in pharmacy? What they're looking to do in pharmacy, and the company, Georgia Healthcare Group, I'll refer to as GHG, GHG operates 350 pharmacies in the country of Georgia. There's 1,500 pharmacies total in the country. Uh, they have about 25% share of the pharmacies, but about 30% share of the business. So they're the largest pharmacy operator by revenue there. And the practice of pharmacy in Georgia is somewhere between, I would say, the European model and the Mexican model. Okay. Okay, it's still evolving. Uh, there is e-prescribing, but the portal that a physician uses to send a prescription electronically to the pharmacy is run by the government. So imagine if CMS ran shore scripts. Oh, geez. Mm, it wouldn't work real well. Right. So that's interesting. But at the same time, a physician could write furosemide or hydrochlorothiazide on a piece of paper, hand it to a patient. They could walk it into a pharmacy, pay cash, and there might not be a, a record in the far. It almost becomes a, a cash transaction. Yep. So the concept of good uh, medication management is, is still evolving there. 90% of the prescriptions are paid for in cash. So it's kind of a throwback to the United States 30 years ago. Yeah. So that's interesting because you're not able to really do any good follow-up at the electronic health record to really notify the physician of what's going on in this patient's life in order to be more preemptive. Right. And, and so that's the... I mean, we're still struggling that with yeah. a little bit of that here in the United States, too. Yeah. I, you know, I'm not a, uh, you know, an international economist, and I don't want to uh, kind of slight the people of Georgia. It's not third world, but it's not first world. It's kind of emerge, you know, an emerging liberal democracy. There's still a lot of poverty there. The, the average pharmacist in Georgia makes about $5,000 U.S. a year. Holy cow. Now, that's converted into, I forget what the Georgian currency is, and still provides them with a, a modest living. Okay. Here's, here's a fun fact for you. 98% of the pharmacists in Georgia are women. Holy cow. Healthcare led by women. Yeah. I now, I don't know why or, or how, that, how that happened. Hopefully, I'll learn more as the, the relationship develops. I think we're at 60% here in the States. Yeah. So. So All my bosses are women. <laughs> that's who that, eventually that's, pays me. <laughs> that's great. All right. That's well, for you. Um, let's shift to the national United States back at home. What Yum. trends in specialty pharmacy do you see right now that excites you? In specialty pharmacy, the, hmm, let me think about that. Uh, I, I would say value-based or outcomes-based contracting, kind of uh, no surprise there, but extending to cell and gene therapies. Okay. So the fundamentals that everybody's learning around value-based and uh, value-based contracting and outcomes-based contracting really need to be kind of put on steroids poor pun, but for these really ultra-expensive cell and gene therapies. I believe that, from what I've read, you know, this is just my bet, that the 
gene-based therapies are going to come faster than we think. Okay. That the, the model for developing those drugs is so repeatable. Once we identify the gene, we now have the right tools. It's almost like, I've heard it described as an engineering problem uh, in addition more than a biology problem. It's not yep. like we've got to go out and find the drug. We just kind of, okay, we know that gene is defective. Now we have the tools so we can tinker, kind of tinker toy it together. Right. And, and we're in clinicals much faster with these gene therapies. So that's the extension of what we've learned managing specialty drugs being extended to gene therapy. And what's the role of specialty pharmacy when the therapy is one infusion, yep. period. Yeah, that is really interesting. And the follow-up for that, where is, is there follow-up? What is the follow-up? What's the ancillary services to kind yeah. of there's gotta that? There's gotta be follow-up yep. because, okay, we're taking a patient, we're sitting them down, we're giving them an infusion, and we're reprogramming, reprogramming your DNA. DNA. Okay, what could go wrong, right? <laughs> right. Uh, and we, we need to kind of keep track of you for many, 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 many years. Yeah. What's the incentive for the patient to kind of stay in the registry? Because the clinical trials haven't been run for 20 years, but we've literally changed somebody's DNA permanently uh, you know, usually if you stop somebody on a drug, the effect stops. Yep. This is, is lifelong. So it's a whole new paradigm around how we're going to manage patients. Well, I'm excited to hear the outcome of where we can take the country of Georgia through your consultancy. A shout out to your partner, Lara, that's on that as well. Okay. Um, and um, Fun fact on, on Georgia, and anybody can Google us, where was wine discovered? It was discovered in the country of Georgia. Oh my goodness! I'd have never known that. I have no idea until <laughs> I, I met the, uh, these my good new friends from Georgia. That's amazing, Harry Travis. It's always good to talk with you. Thank you. Likewise, thank you. That was Harry Travis, president of the Travis Group. Next, we have Dr. Chris Antipas, a Pittsburgh native and president of Paragon Health. When I come to the National Association of Specialty Pharmacies and I run into people from Pittsburgh, it's special to me because I am a Pittsburgher. And I'm standing here with Dr. Chris Antipas, who is also a fellow Pittsburgher. That's Go right. Steelers. That's right. And we need all the go we can get, by the way, for the Steelers this year. So let's talk specialty pharmacy and Paragon Health. You are doing something very special that the audience may not realize that you have homegrown with multiple pieces of process, workflow, technology, the team that you've built out. I'm excited about what Paragon's doing. Share with the team um, a little bit about Paragon. Sure, yeah, so <clears throat> Paragon Health is a digital healthcare company, and under Paragon Health, we have a few assets, so to speak. One is a specialty pharmacy, 50 state licensed, dual accredited, doing all kinds of great work in specialty pharmacy. And the other arm of what we do is digital pharmacy solutions. And so we've built some homegrown pieces of technology, hardware and software, to help us engage with our patients in ways that's really not been done in the past in pharmacy. Uh, we're, we're leveraging solutions like an in-home dispenser of medicine, okay. where we're tracking patients actually taking their medicine, uh, oral medications. We also have other devices where we're using 
uh, NFC chips and patients are bringing their injectables close to another device to read a signal to say, hey, I'm, I'm using my specialty injectable drug. Uh, and, and it goes on and on, grabbing signals from blood pressure cuffs or digital scales, uh, digital inhalers. We're really looking to engage with the patient, not just to say, did you take your meds and, and you know, hit them on the knuckles with the ruler when they don't take their meds, but rather use the information coming from these digital touch points to send them nudges, digital nudges, as well as escalating up to a telephonic intervention with them or their prescriber with an ultimate end goal of managing to improve a clinical outcome. And so it's really fun. It's exciting. I mean, the things we're building, we're collaborating in some ways, and uh, we, we feel that we're bringing a very different and new angle to specialty pharmacy that's probably long overdue. I look at what Paragon's doing, Chris, as a pharmacy coach and pharmacy care coach to really empower the patients and get them inspired about staying healthy yep. and, and moving along in their treatment. But then reverting back to the specialty understanding of how a disease state impacts that patient's life that has nothing to do with the meds, that your team understands because you've soaked in these very specific complex conditions for years and have the experience to kind of back that up. So let's revert back to technology. You gave me an example in a meeting that we had before with regards to lung disease and how this will be monitored and treatment and and like moving forward with collaboration with the physician that's a specialist and then of course the pharmacy taking over the therapy moving forward. Give our audience just kind of example how that would work. Yeah, so it starts with really understanding the disease state that you're talking about, right? So if we're thinking asthma and how we manage asthma, we're giving patients long-acting therapies, inhaled therapies that have steroids and other drugs that are meant to keep the airways open in the lungs. And then they're also given rescue medications to, in the case of an emergency, take albuterol and open up these lungs immediately. And then beyond that, we're also, for more severe cases, using specialty biologics to inject into the patient and manage more instead essentially replacing those long-acting steroids and and other long-acting agents with a more biologic approach addressing the inflammatory pathway that's causing the respiratory condition. So what we know is that patients are really not doing a good job of taking these meds Mm -hmm. on a regular basis. They're good about taking their rescue inhaler because they get an immediate reaction to it, but they don't do a really good job of taking their more chronic meds And the other complexity here is that we're typically treating uh, pediatric patients. And so you've got a dynamic of the patient themselves doesn't really, they're just being told what to do. And they're really the subject of their parent to make sure that the parent is on top of their disease management is not an easy exercise as well. So you've got this caregiver dynamic where you're relying on the caregiver there, we're dealing with, in the case of inhalers, devices that need to be used appropriately in yep. order to deliver the medication. So there's a, there's a huge element of educating up front 
So getting the information in the hands of the caregiver so that they know what they're doing and they understand the consequences of their action or lack of action. So delivering that information to the patient and really the caregiver in a way that they're used to receiving digitally, either through an app or text message notifications or other means to keep them informed and up to date on the best practices of managing their patient and then sending them nudges when they're using their meds in order to know whether or not they should be taking this dose, you need to be getting the signals from them, whether, as I said, is, is via the use of a digital inhaler that will feed back to our pharmacists and say, hey, Todd hasn't used his long-acting asthma controller in two days, yeah. right? Today, in the standard way we provide care, we won't know that you haven't done your job of using your medication until we call you to refill your medicine. Yeah. And you say, I don't need that yet. I, have, I still have you know, 30 puffs or 40 puffs out of 60. Yeah. It's like, well, what have you done this month? We're now three weeks in or two weeks into you not using the medicine, and we're at a heightened risk of you having a, an asthma attack going yep. to the hospital. So I don't know if I really addressed your question specifically, but there are opportunities for us to improve education and then be there in real time or near real time to ensure that the meds are used appropriately. And when we know they're not being used appropriately, we're not punishing anyone. We're not yeah. making them feel like you're not doing a good job. You're not taking care of your child. The posture is more, we know this is tough. We know yeah. it's hard to do this every day, to remember to do it, to know that you're doing it the right way. How can we help support you? And you dive in on an individual patient's level, their circumstance, and you you just work with them to resolve it. Is it the right drug? Maybe we need to change. Maybe they, maybe they do need an injectable that they only have to get once a month or every other, every other week. Yep. That's a lot easier and more effective than using twice a day the long-acting steroid in, uh, inhaler. So that's kind of the approach is to really make it personal, not big brother-like, yep. but support them where they need support. And I think the trust that's already kind of built there through their pharmacist, the pharmacist knowing what's going on with the treatment, mm -hmm. the relationship between the physician, this builds a lot of confidence yep. in our patients. And I think that the Paragon Health model could be used for many other um, yeah. pharmacists, pharmacies and specialty that are looking to grow their business that goes into more management and more coaching and more technology usage for the telemedicine that you guys are sure. using to, to consult. So I'm excited because it's like the next gen specialty pharmacy. Yeah, for sure. We have, I think, we, we view our opportunity in the marketplace is to help enable these types of interactions. We're not going to move the needle if we're the only ones that are doing this. So from yeah. a technology perspective, our goal is to collaborate with other pharmacies and pharmacists to help enable them to do this work. We need the tools to, to be successful. But then it, once we have the tools, it comes back to what are we doing with it? What are we doing with the data? How are we helping to serve our patients? And we, we have to be the change we want to see in the world. I'm not sure who, that's a famous quote yeah. that, you know, you, you can't just expect the industry to change around us and, and hope that it's going to be for the good of us and the good of our patients. We have to demonstrate that. And we have to step outside of our comfort zone. And I challenge all of my pharmacy colleagues to 
take the risk, be brave in moving away from this product reimbursement model and demonstrate value. I know people are saying, well, it's easy to say that. Why, you know, nobody wants to pay us for the value. Well, maybe you got to do the value, demonstrate it, and then go sell it. Before you're going to give it, you have to give it away for free, but document it and then go and push the payers around you. And and maybe the patients need to also be our advocates. Yes. I want my pharmacist to do this valuable service for me. And we need to make sure that it can be accomplished and it's financially sustainable, et cetera, et cetera. Well, Chris, we're very proud of you, um, what you've done in pharmacy in general, especially pharmacy, Paragon Health. Thanks for being part of the post show. Oh, my gosh. We all, the, the industry owes you <laughs> a debt of gratitude for being our voice. And uh, thanks to you, all of your hard work, the Pharmacy Thank Podcast you. Network, and just being a an incredible ambassador for all the work that we do. So uh, on behalf of everybody, our, your listeners, we love you. <laughs> Thank so. you. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. You're listening to the NASP 2022 Post Show. Our next guest is Luis Rodriguez, president of Keycentrics. If you show up at the National Association of Specialty Pharmacies annual event, we are here now in Orlando, you can expect to see a guy named Luis. And I feel like you're overselling that. They haven't kicked you out of the place yet. That's you keep giving them money. So I they think let that's you why. Stay. I think that's why. And Sheila, Truth shout out to you for putting up with Louise. Correct. And you know, you have a wonderful company. I do. And I don't even. I think that's part of why they let me come too. They like them. I think they do. <laughs> yeah. I think they like you. The white couches, the whole vibe of what Keycentrics has going on. I'm glad you're here. I like seeing you here. You make it makes me feel like I'm at home in the specialty pharmacy realm. Word. When you show up. All right, well, For that's, multiple reasons. It turns too. out when we did our marketing study about how to come to this show, we were like, how do we make Todd feel at home? And now it's kind of our rubric. And look what it's bringing you. It's, brought it's worked. You a lot of It's success. absolutely worked. <laughs> and I have history with this company. I was a member of their team back in the day. Like do you, is that okay? Do you want, are you, do you want people to know that? I don't, I've usually leave it, it out because I don't, you know. I'm very proud of my Keycentrics history. Okay, that's awesome. All I right, mean, then I, I'll just start telling I, everybody. I flex the track. I was the flex track guy. Yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, you were flex <laughs> tracks right on. <laughs> you did it. I did it. All right, so specialty pharmacy. Specialty Why pharmacy. Do you think technology is so much more important today in specialty than what I remember it 10 years ago? Because we really didn't talk that much about specific technology. It was kind of just an add-on to a community pharmacy system. Wait, you're saying 10 years ago... 10 years ago, Technology pharmacy, wasn't the discussion. Wasn't the discussion. Now well, I see, think that's, it is. That's the crux of the problem. Because, you know, arguably, pharmacy, healthcare, healthcare broadly, they're about 20 years behind consumer tech for experiences. Right. And so what's interesting about specialty pharmacy is that they're the intersection of this consumer mindset and healthcare more than other healthcare disciplines. So they're ripe, right, for trying to understand how technology can deliver efficiencies and experience differentiation that drives to a better outcome. And, you know, as the uh, leaders in specialty pharmacy grow, bring in new generations of thought, as they start putting 
smart speakers in their home and yeah. and they see CarPlay in their car integrating things and you see all these things coming together in your personal life then they start asking the questions like oh you know it would be really great not to fill this 12 page format on this clipboard if yep. i could just you know get it digitally or it'd be really awesome if you if you knew i needed a refill don't call me like i don't want to talk to you like it'd be nice if i just got a text and i can respond yes so as as those questions and those thoughts enter these operators minds then it naturally digs deeper roots into what needs to happen broadly to enable those kinds of experiences. So I think that's why that conversation is a little bit more popular than it used to be. I wouldn't say that it's the top of the, of the conversation list. I think there are lots of challenges in pharmacy and specialty pharmacy that aren't about technology enablement that revolve around, you know, is the, is the payer scheme and player scheme in pharmacy a healthy one, a sustainable yes. one? Right, what regulations are coming down the pike, right? Uh, where do pharmacists, specialty pharmacies have really brought up to the layer, to the top thought layer of their clinicians. They're not just pill bottle folks right. and they want to work at the top of their license and degree. And so they look actively for these things that change outcomes on a clinical side. So I think there's so much to talk about. How do they define that? How do they create protocols and standardize that for for the best outcomes. That's a lot of what's being talked about. Certainly, technology is a thing that lays across all of those discussions that, that need to be in dialogue. So I think that's why you're seeing it. And I'm glad they are. I, I'm glad that they are, too. Um, it's a long-term game. Um, an example of that is, you know, starting the very first podcast in the pharmacy profession in 2009. I haven't stopped since. It was a long game to get to where we are for using mobile well, what do you have? You have like supplement. Are you like HBO where you have like 500, HBO Max, like 500 brands? Yes. And so if you are interested in anything in pharmacy, like what I do usually is I look to see if you have a podcast about it. <laughs> yes. You're telling me that that's legit, like... That that practice I follow actually is helpful because you have a lot of things going on Literally in your has. network. It helps us find the subject matter experts, and then we blow them up. We amplify them because it's not me. I'm the herder of cats. I don't. I don't not the expert. I don't know. I'm looking at your sound technician over here, and he's looking at you like you know everything. I know a little bit about everything. I don't know enough to really dig down. I'm the smartest parrot. In Let the me ask you. Industry. I'm I'm talking to the audio technician here for those of you listening let me ask you did he let you drive no. yeah he doesn't let you drive he's running the show i, I nobody like get it twisted I like to get there fast todd's the secret sauce of the farm far, <laughs> pharmacy network pharmacy <laughs> like, podcast network the yeah, ppn I as i like to refer to it i do like to be kind of the like i said the the guy in the ship that knows where the ship's going right on we have to know you're that guy so let's talk about the long-term game because you started making investments in technology in specifically for f specialty pharmacy a long time ago. And yeah, ages ago, yeah. how many of your ago, investors yeah. were frustrated? How many of your customers waiting for special things to come out? You're at a special point now that you're not playing, it'll be here someday. It's here now. Like, you have the workflow systems and you have the special things that really dig down into specifically specialty 
What don't you have that you're working on next? Like, what does specialty pharmacy need at this point? Well, we actually have a lot of things in R&D. You know, when you're a technology company, you have to think through where the ball might be uh, down the road. We have a lot of things in R&D. I don't like to tease them, but that we think are the the natural evolution once specialty pharmacies kind of uh, congeal around the capabilities of a system like New Leaf. I think the biggest hurdle we run into is everybody understands the need for data, for technology, for letting it enhance uh, strategic operation plans and, and, and really, you know, sophisticating the experience from a technology perspective. But th- what they're used to is they're used to systems that were about the fill form, adjudicate fill form and, and be done. And so they're making that transition into a world where the, you know, the technology is in flow of what they're doing. And, you know, there's a lot of pain in that transition. And you know, prime example is, you know, the iPhone comes out and it's not in adults' hands right away. It's not, that's not who they sold it right. to first. The iPhone evolved out of the iPod Touch, yep. which was in every young teenager's hands. Yep. They understood it. You can give an iPad to a baby and they'll use it better than a grown-up. <laughs> Correct. Yes. Uh, and, and that's kind of the technology nexus we're in with Newly. We've built all these things that you're like, listen, if you take the time to set this up and configure it and have it match your business needs and your business models, you're in for a really good experience. But getting there, that transition from these older systems, uh, you know, that are, you know, a list of numbers and hotkeys and been around forever, those are, that's a tough transition to make right now. That's what we have to do. We have to push them into this sophistication and then, then they'll worry about optimizing it. And when they start worrying about optimizing their tech, that's really where we're going to see big leaps and steps forward. And hopefully we're, we're sitting there waiting with some of that technology that we've thought through already. But, but there's a lot of technology, Todd, that our customer base just isn't ready for. They, they haven't worked through the legal ramifications. They haven't figured out how they're going to tactically weaponize the results of that technology. They're, they're just not there yet. Louise, before I let you go, I want to clarify a rumor that has been started that is attached to Keycentrics. I heard that uh, a big equipment company, I don't know if it was Toshiba or, or Sony, but there's a plant, there's a secret plant being built in Wichita that they're going to resurrect the fax machine. And I heard you guys are like going to buy stock in bringing the fax back in specialty pharmacy. Sometimes I don't know how to even look at you. <laughs> so no fax. L- let me tell you something. Uh, the fax won't die. <laughs> and it's no one's fault. But the fax is still out there. That it's out there. The reality is... Haunting us all. The reality is is that it actually, sadly, does streamline a lot of workflows the way that it works. There are too many players in the technology world that want to charge you for every aspect of what you're doing right. every which way from Sunday. And so they, they make these isolated private environments that don't let a technology take hold and really push you know, everyone forward. And so that's why FAX is still here because What's the universal protocol for secure chat? Do you know? I don't. There isn't one. <laughs> right? Well, fax was pretty universal. You plug it into a phone line and everybody could get it working. So right. they had the carriers. They had the exchange network for it. 
we in pharmacy, by way of example, have a brilliant example of one of the nation's most successful healthcare information exchanges in Surescripts. And, you know, arguably it's, it's got its flaws and its challenges and its people with opinions and its lawsuits and things like that. When reality, like, that's a big exchange network that yep. could be weaponized in lots of other ways yep. that might kill the facts. Yeah. But how do we do that? Right? How do we do that together? How does all, uh, how does all the rising tide raise all the boats in healthcare? Right. We're still figuring that out. So well, no, no fax machine investment on the Keycentric <laughs> side. We do have the world's largest uh, battery plant being built just outside of our uh, metro area, Panasonic. Uh, so you did hear that. And maybe that's what confused maybe you. Maybe was confused, yeah. And I know you moved to downtown Wichita, so that it was all. We did. I we, fused those So a lot of people don't know together. this. Like, you hear, can, you hear Kansas, and you think Kansas City, right? Like, that's what yeah. you think, right? And you're, that, that's ridiculous. Don't do that. Uh, the biggest city in Kansas is Wichita, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, by, by far, right? Most of Kansas City is Missouri. So when you think Kansas, think Wichita. When you think Wichita, think a tech city that's producing really great healthcare technology and hoping you'll find us. You know? Awesome. Thank you. Hey, I want you to know that getting in front of a mic in front of you, <laughs> in front of the show is one of my dreams. And I'm going to, I just checked it off. Well, thank you. I just I checked it off. Because we've done this list. before virtually, but not yes. in person. That's true. It's so much better in person because I can person. see the light in your eyes. I can smell you, <laughs> which is good. Don't I smell hope bad. that's good. You, 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 you need good. to clarify because there are a lot of people that are not here. Doesn't realize what I and just And I don't want to hear, they don't want to be like, smell, Louise it must Brad be bad. Vegas. He has a, a peculiar. He smells like shrimp. Interesting. <laughs> interesting. Of lavender no. and shrimp. No, listen, I smell like a fresh day on a Puerto Rican beach. That's what I smell like. That's not, that actually sounds pleasant. Old Spice called me about Ooh. putting it in one of their deodorants. Resurrecting that with the fax machine. Look, I don't like weaponizing my heritage. <laughs> don't. Please cut this all. I'm, no one wants to listen to this. This is cancel culture material. Please cut all this okay. material. <laughs> all right, let's wrap it up. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the NASP 2022 Conference Post Show your inside look at the National Association of Specialty Pharmacy.